Hi, Mark. Welcome here. Thank you. May God bless you richly. What what did God do in your life recently? Um, Tell us a little bit more about yourself. I guess in a similar way, we sort of see God working um, every day of our lives. Um, One thing for us that's been a long journey is um, we came up to um, Brisbane in 2018 after travelling around um, in our camper trailer and we, we sensed God calling us on a journey towards overseas mission. Um, 2018 is four years ago, so we've been on that journey now for a while. Um, and a couple of months ago, uh, we, re- we really started to um, find a lot of traction and felt like, you know, we set a, a goal to sort of um, head overseas by middle of this year. And um, then Naomi got sick. Um, for, for a period of about two months, uh, things were quite difficult, um, more or less uh, day by day. You know, she was sort of um, you know, stuck in bed, a lot of pain, um, and we really questioned what is God's purpose in this. Um, and it, w- it went on for quite some time, and we, we really, um, one thing that we really saw God doing in our lives over that period was um, reminding us that. Um, that we can't do this journey on our own, that we belong to a community, a body of believers, and we need um, to, to, be, to be sharing our burdens uh, with each other and, and walking through it together. Um, and thankfully, by God's grace, um, you know, we came out of that season of, of poor health and um, you know, there's still stuff, you know, little bits and pieces ongoing with that, but we've really seen um, God drawing us closer to himself and drawing us closer to, a, to being dependent on, um, on him but also on the body of Christ as we share our burdens together and, and walk through things together. So that's what, that's what we've seen God doing in our lives recently. Now, I'm going to turn to um, Hebrews chapter 12 and read for us. Just a short reading, but there's a lot of background to it as well. It's, um, Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 3. Um, and maybe something that you can do this afternoon is have a look at um, Hebrews 11 as well, because that just adds a whole lot more uh, context and, um, and insight into what this passage is all about as well. But Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I just want to ask a question. Has anyone here ever run in a cross-country race before? Cool, excellent. Quite a few hands there. I see a few hands from my kids there as well. Um, our, our three younger kids at their school um, recently were involved in cross-country. Uh, and they all did a really great job and we were really proud of, of their effort. They did fantastic. Um, and I'm not much of a runner myself, so I never really expected to pass on uh, good running ability to my, to my kids. But 
one of our kids managed to get into districts, then the next level of competition um, where you know all the schools get together and the, and the kids um, compete against each other um, like that. So she wanted to prepare for the big race, so we trained together. Um, I taught her some techniques and strategies that would be useful for her to be able to run well and get through it without getting burned out. And as she practiced regularly and used those techniques that, that I taught her, her ability to run for longer and endure and persevere um, without stopping improved. Now, as followers of Christ, our life is a race as well. It's not a sprint, much like cross-country. It's a race that we're called to run with perseverance. So how do we do it? How do we run this race? What, what is the race that we're in? What does it look like? And how do we run with perseverance? Well, Hebrews 12 talks about three things that are needed to run the race well. We need to get to know the course. We need to train for the race. And we need to keep our eyes on the prize. And that's where I meant to press this button. So first of all, I want to look at the course that we're running on. What is this race that's been marked out for all of us? Well, on the one hand, it's a race that's been marked out for all of us. We're all running the same race, and it's described all throughout Hebrews chapter 11. So go have a look back at that this afternoon. It's this people of God, this cloud of witnesses, all moving in the same direction, all moving towards God's promise to restore and redeem his people, all moving by faith towards a future inheritance, a heavenly city promised by God. For example, in verse 10, Abraham was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And we're all moving by faith away from the empty and temporary things that this world offers us and towards the eternal reward kept in heaven. For example, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So when we run, we do it with the expectation that we are running towards the promises of God. It's a race that we run by faith, believing that there's something more and enduring, more substantial than what this world has to offer us. We're all running the same race. It takes the same technique, the same practices, and we're all heading towards the same destination. But it's also a race that looks different for everyone. And so in a sense, it's also a race that's been marked out for each one of us. And each one of us has our own lane to run in. For example, in, again in Hebrews 11, there were some who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. So a faith in God which led along a path of deliverance and miraculous intervention. On the other hand, in the very next verses, others who had faith in the same God with the same power to perform miracles faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. So what was different? 
Because it's not as though those who were put to death had a poorer quality of faith or that a stronger faith led to miraculous intervention. Both groups of people had faith that God would give them the reward that comes from running the race. Same faith, same God, same race, same eternal reward. The difference is that God, in his wisdom, had marked out their, their paths differently. And each of these people, whether they escaped the sword or were put to death by the sword, is a witness to the life of faith, the race, that we are called to run. And we are running the same race that they ran before us, a race that is marked out for each of us. So what part does faith play in running the race? Because we all have faith in something. The question is whether the object of our faith can stand up to pressure. I mean, we all put our faith in our chairs, but if the ground started walking, uh, walking or moving beneath us, we'd, we'd quickly try to grab something else to hold on to. Well, we see this, the significance of faith in chapter 12, verse 2, where we're called to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. He is the object of our faith, and he is the reason for our hope. Because no matter the circumstances, Jesus is a firm foundation. And he came that we may have life and have it to the full. Life in complete submission to him and to his design. Life that is inwardly transformed by his spirit so that we reflect his goodness and love as he loves. Life that gives glory and honour to him, that draws people to a knowledge of him, that declares his goodness and love throughout the world as his ambassadors and as salt and light. And life that seeks to reflect his design. Because as we reflect the character of our creator, we can work, create, contribute, and display all the diverse ways that our creator has gifted us. So the race of faith, then, is the practice of fixing our eyes on Jesus with everything that flows out from that. It's a race of endurance in the presence of this cloud of witnesses with Jesus by our side, equipping and enabling us. It's a call to live out the biblical godly design for our lives in relationship with our Heavenly Father by the Holy Spirit. We're called to a heavenly hope, but we're called to start walking in it now. So what would that look like for you or for me? If the call for all Christians is to live a life being salt and light and contributing to the thriving of all people, what does that look like for you or me personally? How has God gifted you? What are you capable of? And how could it benefit others? Where has God placed you? If our gifts are given to benefit others, who has God placed in your life who would benefit from what you have to contribute? What would it look like if we all took our gifts and instead of using them to serve our own interests and goals, we were intentional about using them to serve the people around us? So that's what the, rate, that's what the course looks like. The question is, are we prepared to run in the race or are we going to sit it out? Are we prepared to train so that we can live as we're designed or are we going to sit back and expect it to happen? Because in order to run well, we need to train. 
Now, it's, not, it's worth pointing out here that it's not by our effort to run the race that we're welcomed into the heavenly city. Because at the cross, Christ's obedience is credited to us as if it were our own. But surely, if we've recognised just how much Christ has done for us by suffering and dying on the cross, then that will stir us to want to do our best to live out the good way of life that Jesus taught and demonstrated for us. And if we recognise what Christ endured for our sake, then surely we will want to throw off all the worldly stuff that weighs us down and all the sin that trips us up so that we can run the way we're called to run. And that's what we're called to do here. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us, marked out for us. In order to run with perseverance, the baggage and sin of the world needs to be thrown off. And yet we know how hard this is. And the Hebrews had this problem too. They had become distracted, discouraged by hardship, and they were not looking to, to Jesus or to God's word. They had been through hardship and persecution, in most cases, probably more than anything we have experienced. But they were no longer showing the perseverance needed to run the race, and they were tempted to go back to the old ways. So they were reminded of the faith they had shown in the past and encouraged to persevere. It reads in Hebrews 10, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. We also find ourselves under constant pressure from the world and we need to take a different view of hardship in our lives. In the same way that a runner feels the pain in their legs, they feel breathless, tired out, thirsty, but keeps on pressing on anyway, we should look at our hardship as training us to run the race. So in Hebrews 12 it says, endure hardship as discipline because it's training us. Discipline, hardship, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So instead of seeing hardship as a threat, if we view hardship as discipline, then we can be trained by it. So we need to train. And the reality of training is that it's more than just learning the proper techniques. It's doing it over and over again, practicing, practicing it. And we need to train in throwing off both the worldly hindrances and the sin that trips us up. So how does the world hinder us? Well, the word, the word translated hinders in the NIV is often translated as weight, as in the ESV says, let us also lay aside every weight. So these are things that slow us down and make it harder to run the race as we should. Unnecessary burdens. So in what ways are we burdening ourselves with the things of the world now instead of running the race as we should? And how can we train ourselves to throw them off? 
If running the race looks like finding ways to be salt and light, being Christ's ambassadors, loving others as he has loved us, and using our gifts to serve others, what worldly weights do we need to throw off? So these are things that take up our time and attention, our physical and mental energy, and get in the way of these other kingdom imperatives. And they can even be good things that have taken on too much importance. So maybe it's worth making a list for yourself. What are you weighed down by? What demands your attention? Are these things part of the race you've been called to run? Or are they getting in the way of the race of faith? How might your ability to focus on God's kingdom purposes be magnified if you were not weighed down by these things? So that's everything that hinders. We also need to actively train in throwing off the sin that entangles, or as the ESV translates, sin which clings so closely. So sin is described here both as a trap, something that entangles and trips us up, and as something sticky, something that clings to us and won't let go. Sin, in all its forms, is an ever-present threat to running the race. And again, we're called to throw it off. It doesn't go away by itself. And in fact, if we give it no attention, it will continue to cling to us. And no matter how long we've been running the race, it's still there, still ready to trip us up. So be on guard against sin in all its forms, sneaky and subtle forms of sin, as well as obvious sin. Be alert to the danger and don't let it choke you. Actively train in throwing off sin. Think about your own fight against sin. What kind of sin are you prone to? When are you most at risk? What strategies do you have to turn away from it? When faced with temptation, how do you remind yourself of the worth of Christ, the gravity of what he did for you at the cross, and the far better way of life that he has for you? How does it help you when you remember that Christ died to take away your sin? But even with all the training in the world, even as we're actively stripping off sin and throwing off worldly concerns, it gets hard to run the race. Sometimes we're led through some really dark valleys where it's hard to even see our feet in front of us. What then? What do we do then? And throwing off sin and worldly concerns is only one part of the solution. In fact, we have no hope of throwing these things off if we try to do it apart from our relationship with Christ. So we need to keep our eyes on the prize. We're called to fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who sets us on our way and the one who enables us to do it. Jesus is our prize at the end of the race. He is the joy set before us. And he's also with us as we run the race. So he is the way that we can throw off everything and run with perseverance. We can hold unswervingly to the hope we profess because what Jesus did gives us hope. He's the perfect example of a life run with endurance. He showed us a life of perfect obedience to the Father in submission to his good way of life. 
He showed us what it means to bear the image of God, to magnify his name and reflect the character of God. He submitted to death on a cross to take the penalty of sin from us and restore us into relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus gives us hope in the valley. Because if Jesus' obedience led him to the cross, to scorn, shame, ridicule and death, we can expect that a life run in obedience to him is going to lead into trouble. But Jesus knew that the cross was not his final destination. He saw past his circumstances, as grim as they were, and saw the joy set before him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He never lost sight of doing his Father's will. He never lost sight of the heavenly city, which was his destination. He never lost sight of his goal, which was to bring us back into relationship with our Creator. By his obedience, he endured suffering and persecution. He was never distracted by sin or worldly concerns. In the end, he was glorified by the Father and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He made it possible for us to have an eternal hope through his death and resurrection. So when we're faced with the worst of circumstances, we can trust that God will fulfill his promises because he has shown us his faithfulness in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. So fix your eyes on him. When you're in the valley, look away from the darkness around you and keep your eyes locked on him. When it seems like what you're doing is a waste of time, fix your eyes on him. We grow weary and lose heart when we lose sight of Jesus and only see the dark and shrouded path around us. We get fed up, overwhelmed, tired, discouraged, fearful, helpless. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, he reminds us, of the victory over sin. He reminds us of the promise to restore all things. He reminds us of our position as God's adopted children. He reminds us that our lives are now hidden with Christ. And he reminds us of our invitation to partner with God in his kingdom purposes around the world. The race we're in doesn't change when we're in the valley, but Jesus who is the object of our faith and the joy set before us, comes into focus. So fix your eyes on Jesus, for he who promised is faithful. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have given us Jesus. You have given us a way to be united and reconciled to you. Thank you that you've called us into relationship with you, that you've adopted us as your children and that you promised to bless us and to restore all things. Lord, help us to walk in that now. Help us to walk in the way that you've designed us to walk. Help us to, to throw off the worldly things that hinder us and the sin that trips us up so that we can run the race with perseverance. Help us to take a different view of hardship, that we would see the things that get us down, the things that get in the way, as ways of training us, ways of drawing us closer to you. Lord, help us to trust in you at all times and help us to trust that, that you will finish what you started, that you are the author and perfecter of our faith and that you will glorify your name and work all things for the good of those who love you. In Jesus' name, amen.